introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, look at this! To oh, Williams! Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Right. Welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we are back. We have the full crew in the house. I think we have most of our issues figured out with our new uh, recording technology here. It was a bit touch and go last week, but we'll hope to get a smoother episode delivered to you this week. And so let's hop to it. QB1, my man. Following you here on the social media, and uh, I feel like you uh, you must never sleep because you just can't stop, won't stop, putting out all the content. My man, how you doing? How you been? Good, man. Just trying to put out some good content best I can. Got a little testy on the timeline today. You know, somebody accused me of stealing tweets for whatever reason, so I got a bit out of character, but it's been a fun day for the most part. Bro, that's what you get for stealing Chipotle tweets. <laughs> like yeah out of all people i stole your tweet yeah about I, Chipotle? Sat there, I sat there and typed in i don't even remember the guy's name i sat there and typed in your name for a chipotle tweet <laughs> wait hold up hold up hold up hold up that like random tweet you uh you 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 put out there about like it's a beautiful day when like the person serves heavy or something like that yeah that's a tweet yeah the guy ended up deleting the tweet Somebody Stand legitimately thought they were the only person in the world that had ever gone someplace and got the hookup at Chipotle? Yeah. JR hey. tweeted it before he did, too. That's uh, the <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that until some people started talking about it. Oh, man, that's funny. So they got JR out of character over some Chipotle. That is amazing. That is amazing. My man, Miles, how you doing? And uh, what manner of uh, athletic conquest will you be putting down this evening that has us recording a little bit earlier than usual? Well, first off, um, I'm multitasking. I'm trying to eat dinner right now. My son literally just opened his eyes, so he's about to cry. <laughs> he just, <laughs> um, And I'm about to play soccer tonight, so a lot, lot going on. Um, are, you, are you taking Zay with you? Is he going to be in the baby carrier, or, or how's that working? Nah. <laughs> no, he's going to stay home. Okay. He's not ready for all that yet. I also right. have some, some friends coming to town too, so we got a lot going on. Boy, all right. It's carb loading before the big game. Zay about to wake up and uh, add a little bit of flavor to us here, a little bit of spice as they were to this year podcast. <laughs> and uh, my man, Saxy Prince, how you doing? Oh no, did Prince forget how to use the mute button? Uh -oh. Or did or did we just lose him? Oh uh -oh. nope. There we he is. Good. Prince? We good. We good. Okay. Welcome back, Prince. How we doing? We good. We good. Now make sure you keep the phone close to your mouth, man. How you doing? How you been? What's going on with you? What you been up to? You know, I've been uh, I've been a very very busy artist, as I would say, and and uh, you know, trying to keep up with all the. I mean, I've been blessed to have a number of opportunities coming my way and whatnot. Things I'm going to be happy to share over the next couple of months and uh, weeks and months, I would say, and uh, yeah. Also trying to get back into the grind that is uh, the football season. So, uh, you mean you mean riddle rooms or puzzle yeah, I was about rooms? To say, we, I feel like we got some stuff to talk about <laughs> real quick before we get to this because you keep telling us how busy you are, how much you got going on. 
But I feel like your social media keeps telling me that you are spending uh, an inordinate amount of time in these escape rooms and riddle rooms with Arif and Luke and then a bunch of other people who are not named Miles. Speak on it, Prince. Well, um, you know, uh, Luke was in town, um, so I wanted to make sure I um, got to spend a little time with him. Uh, he, he lives out, you know, not in Minnesota, so I, I asked him to do a riddle room, and then obviously a reef. He's always down to do one. I asked Miles, but, you know, he, he had some weird excuse, like, you know, he has a baby, new baby and family. Asked me, like, 12 hours before the riddle room, like, hey, yo, we're, we're going to this riddle room tomorrow. Are you trying to go? I'm like, bro. He's like, it's at like 9.30, too. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's it's weird. But uh, no, we had a really good time there. And then um, I already had another one, a work. It was actually one that was scheduled around my work. So it's kind of like a team bonding thing that we did. And then another on Friday. So right, Well, if you can be riddle rooming all the time, you need to go holler at them people, see if you can get us some sponsorship or something. I'm trying, okay. y'all. That's why I keep doing okay. all these, you know? Okay, I'm, I'm going to I'm need you to work it out. Work it out. Well, let's hop to it since we know we do have a bit of time pressure on us today and we have some, some things we want to cover. So uh, last week, the Vikings uh, had the first episode of the uh, the show, The Voyage, where it's uh, kind of, I guess, an in-house version of uh, All or Nothing or Hard Knocks type of look at you know the Vikings as they, they get things ramped up and, and headed into the season. So JR, I guess I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on on that first episode? It's a quick watch, fifteen minutes, and uh, yeah, what did you think about it? It was cool. I, mean, I really enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed the draft part, of course, the most. But I thought it jumped around a bit, and maybe they were just trying to set up the plot of the storylines. But it started at you know the beginning of the last season. Of course, the expectations they had coming into the year, and then it jumped all the way around to the draft, and it gave really an inside view of you know, their peak behind the curtain, per se, of the 17th pick going into the 18th pick when the New York Giants selected Dexter Lawrence. And there was just a huge sigh of relief because they thought they were going to take Bradbury there. And it's clear that Garrett Bradbury was very high on their board. And it was just really cool just seeing all the emotion that they exuberated or exemplified while in the draft room, especially coming from Rick Spielman. So stuff like that was really cool to see. And then the behind the scenes thing with Dalvin Cook, and things of that nature, him getting into the facility and just how hard it is to get into TCO Performance Center. So just little things like that that we don't get to see every day was really cool to see. Yeah, and I really liked that. Uh, like you said, they started off with the uh, you know the disappointing end to the previous season. But I really, what I really do like is is uh, the emotion that it showed from the players there. How disappointed they really were. How heartbroken some of the guys were at the end of last season. So I think sometimes there's a you know, fans sometimes think that they're the only ones who take these games hard for some reason, that the players don't really care or they got their money and it's not that serious for them. But like, it was a nice way to start to show that these guys really do care about this. They really do live for this. And it is uh, really their everything. So that was a, a fun note, not really a fun note, but an interesting note uh, for an interesting way for them to start for me, because it really did, you know, humanize them and really show you how important all of this was for them. I guess, Miles, from your perspective, obviously, we know JR was going to go the way of the draft. What did you like the most out of the uh the, the first episode of the voyage. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's one. I, I, of course I love the draft too. So that was a big part for me uh, as well. And then I really like the, uh, I just like the inside, like hearing inside information from the team about like stuff they're talking about, stuff they like, like to Jared's point, the, like they really liked to Garrett Bradbury. They might've looked like it sounded like they, they probably were going to try to trade down if, if he didn't, if he went before their pick. So I, I like hearing trade secrets like that. That's always fun. Um, I know they, they like to tease you a little bit by like, 
by saying that someone had offered them a, a, a pick to or uh, an offer to trade back, but then they kind of just cut it off there and they didn't say, speak any more on it. But yeah, I really, I just really like the inside and outs of of talking to the players, talking about uh, their expectations, the um, their philosophies, hearing hearing people like Coach Zim talk about like. Uh, what he's looking for and how he wants his team to be as a unit and you know introducing his new coaching staff and, and stuff like that I mean I just think the the ins and outs of of it and getting to see the behind the scenes work is always fun no matter to me no matter who the team is and I know it's the Vikings so that's a big thing for me but um, just in general I really like that aspect of it awesome 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 all right well gentlemen I, I do have a bit of a confession to make here you know it has been a very busy summer and so, you know, there's there's hard knocks, there's all or nothing, and I haven't been able to watch either. So I'm just gonna come out to you guys here and ask for the opinions of these shows. If I can only watch one, which way should I go with this? Jr. I guess uh, tell me about all or nothing. Is that is that a show that I would want to keep up with? Is that the way that you would lean in this one? Yeah, I actually enjoyed all or nothing this year. You know, being a huge Cam Newton fan, it really makes you appreciate just what he goes through. And it really went all the way back to when he was drafted uh, first overall in 2011 and took you back through his voyage of the Super Bowl and when he walked out on the press conference. And then it goes all the way back to 2017 where he got his first shoulder surgery. And you just don't really understand how much he's went through throughout his career. And then, of course, uh, the adversity that he faced last year with the Panthers starting 6-2, and two, I believe it was, and then finishing 1-7. and seven down the stretch and then just how much he declined as the year went along. And of course, there's so many sub stories and side stories and they highlight Greg Olson, Luke Keekley, of course. And um, Taylor Heineke was another guy that got a lot of love throughout the throughout the documentary. But I really liked a lot of things that they exuberated and showed throughout the entire show. So I thought it was really good. And it really goes behind the scenes a lot. And you really find out about uh, Dante Jackson. And I thought they made him look kind of bad throughout the series just because they made him look kind of a bit hard-headed, even though he had a really good year last year. But it was your typical rookie uh, bumps and bruises along the way, even though he was having a lot of success. So there there was a lot of interesting stories in every episode. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. I guess anyone going another way here, all or nothing, hard uh, hard knocks. And I guess it doesn't necessarily need to be this season, because I know there's only been one episode of uh, of hard knocks so far. So everyone may not have been caught up on that. But I guess just generally as the seasons of, of these two different shows that kind of do a similar thing have been going along uh which ones have have you guys tended to prefer has it been all or nothing or hard knocks for you miles i mean it's all or nothing for me i mean you get to see the whole you get to see the entire season hard knocks is just a, f- a few weeks of of seeing the uh the pre the preseason and the training camp which is cool um you get to see that but in all or nothing you get to see uh the the start of week one through week 16 which is a it's a longer, it's longer season. It's longer episodes, uh, and you get more detail because you get to find out the, the the daily grind, the weekly grind that these guys go through. So I definitely say the all or nothing. But and that's not to say Hard Knocks is bad either. But I just like the detail you get from all or nothing. All right, Prince. Last year, you're last but not least here. Where are you at with it? All or nothing or Hard Knocks? Which one should I invest my time into? You know, the fact that you get to track the journey that is, you know, starting from week one, or even a little bit before week one. disappointment you get to see the joys that come with it and uh, just what all these players kind of go through uh, not just like on the field but Saxy Prince I, I hate to, to cut you off here but uh, it does feel like the phone is a little bit far away from you so if you could just 
speak a little bit closer to the mic so that all the folks can hear yeah, what you're I'm saying. Just, I'm just more or less reiterating what Miles had said that, um, you know, being able to follow a team for 16 weeks um, definitely gets you get to see more of what these guys actually go through uh, for a longer period of time. You know what they truly put their bodies through. So uh, I'm definitely on team um, all or nothing. All right, well, let's hop into things here. We got these Vikings to talk about, and, uh, you know, there's a game coming up here. We get to kind of preview a little bit here, and uh, with the game comes, you know, the release of the depth chart and injuries and all those sorts of things, and so the depth chart was released, the first one of the preseason, and, I mean, you know, every season, every year, we tell ourselves not to read too much into the depth chart, but, you know, we are starved for football, and it is some... uh, quote official news from the team so jr you know when the the depth chart did come out did anything jump out at you was there anything that really stood out were there any players who were either higher or lower than you initially expected when uh when you saw that first depth chart um of course you know chad bb being the third guy uh listed i think that was i wouldn't say it was a surprise but just to see them officially put him in front of laquan treadwell i think that really seals the inevitable that we really thought was coming uh, there's some other guys that are probably right on his heels too with Brandon Zilstra and BC Johnson, who seems to be having a really good training camp for the most part. Um, other than that, there really wasn't any huge surprises to me. Um, I'm really interested to see exactly how things work out over the next few games with the first game being on Friday. Of course, you're going to have some guys that stand out and some guys that unfortunately get hurt and some guys that are disappointments. So, I'm really interested to see exactly how everything comes to fruition over the next few weeks. Yeah, so JR, if it's you, because this seems to be a common thread, you know, when Eric Thompson was on talking about what he'd been seeing at training camp, it was a similar thread there as well, where Laquan Treadwell is running with the twos and threes, listening to Norse Code, Arif was saying similar things. Um, like, if it's you, what are you doing with Laquan Treadwell at this point? Like, are you trying to trade him? What would you accept for him in trade? Like, what is it that you think the the team has in their minds when, uh, I mean, they still have him there. He's still on the team. Obviously, he comes with some, you know, some dead caps, so that's probably why he's still around. But, um, yeah, I guess, what are you doing with Laquan Treadwell at this point? Yeah, this is it's kind of a slippery slope with him just because of the status that he had coming in, of course, being your first-round selection from the 2016 draft, I believe it was. You don't really want to exile him. Because you you really don't know what these rookie guys or these undrafted guys that you have right now, what they're going to develop into. And there's going to be some point this season where you need Laquan Treadwell. And let's say Diggs or Thielen does go down. We already know that the depth at that spot is already thin. And Laquan Treadwell already knows the system. Uh, He already has chemistry with Kirk Cousins, even though he's been here or he's been with Kirk for one year. So he knows what to expect from him. And I'm a huge timing guy with receivers. And we've seen how much. Even though it's unwarranted, we've seen that Kirk Cousins has supreme faith in Laquan Treadwell for whatever reason. Even though he's dropped a lot of passes uh, when it did come his way, he still is going to feed him, uh, even though he has that trust in him in the perimeter. But everyone knows is that. Yeah, is it trust in is it trust in Treadwell or is it more of a just going where your reads tells you to go? Yeah, it is. It's a little bit of both. And Kirk is that guy. He really doesn't care who's out there. He's gonna if that guy's open he's going to feed it to him just because that's just how he's manufactured. And that goes all the way back to the just know who you're throwing to and the whole Schefter, uh, I think it was Schefter Baker uh, type of argument that we had from a couple of weeks ago from Mark Schofield's article and just having that type of awareness. And I love the 
use this type of term, and Ben Roethlisberger is really good at this, is basically covered about to be uncovered throws. And that's something that Kirk Cousins doesn't do, and I'm getting all the way off topic with this. But just staying on topic with Laquan Trailwell, you can't completely exile him just because you don't know what Dylan Mitchell, uh, B, uh, B.C. Johnson, Brandon Zilstra, and those guys, and how quickly they're going to come along. You already know exactly what Laquan Trailwell is, and even though he's not a good player, let's just be honest, you already have those legs on the depth chart, and you know, if anything, he can be a leg saver or that fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart that knows what he has to do and know what he has to run on certain plays. So you can't completely exile him just because he is that body there that you may need eventually, but we know these young guys are eventually going to overtake him. So, um, like, what would you take if somebody, like, let's say the New York Giants, who get thrown around a lot because their entire wide receiver core is either injured or suspended, like, what would they need to offer you to trade Laquan Treadwell? You have to take whatever you can get at this point just because you know you're not going to get a compensatory pick for him just because he's not going to sign the contract of value next year to get anything back for him. So if they offer a late-round pick, I think you absolutely take it. All right. Miles, rolling right along here. Depth chart came out. What were your initial thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, to start, I think a big thing for me was kind of the lack of depth at some of these key spots. I mean, you look at, like, offensive tackle, obviously Rashad Hill is the swing backup, but there really isn't anything proven behind him. I know they have they have this hope in Avian Collins to be something, but obviously he was hurt all of last season. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's really been able to do much this this training camp, this training camp so far. Uh, Oldie Udo is obviously pretty raw, so you, you can't really rely too much on him. Uh, and then you look at like the defensive tackle uh, and even defensive end positions. Uh, those those two worry me a little bit. Uh, with with the depth, I mean, obviously at, at defensive tackle, Shamar Stuffin, he's nothing to write home about. Uh, you have unproven guys in Jalen Holmes and Jaleel Johnson behind him. I know Jaleel Johnson's had a good camp. Uh, he's a guy that I expect to ha- to play quite a bit of minutes uh, and, and time this year. Uh, Jalen Holmes, you really hope that he can become like your uh, Tom Johnson, that situational pass rusher, uh, because you know Shamar Stephens really is just there to be a two down uh, run. St- run stuffer, which is funny because he's doing that next to uh, another two-down run stuffer in Linval Joseph. So <laughs> it doesn't really make sense, but uh, you just hope at least uh, like a guy like Jalen Holmes and even like, like a Hercules Matafa, maybe those guys can be your situational pass rushers in certain uh, dime and nickel situations. Um, but like getting back to a surprise I guess I really had was Amir Abdullah. Um, I know when they claimed him last year, it told me that they liked him uh, when he got released by the uh, by the Lions during the season, it told me that the Vikings liked Amir Abdullah during the, the pre-draft process. You see that a lot. Uh, young guys, if they if they don't really pan out uh, early on, you'll see another team that, that probably liked them, their front office liked them during the pre-draft, pre-draft process. Uh, they usually try to soup them up and see if they can uh, fix whatever remedy or fix whatever problem that that player might have had. And, uh, Amir Abdullah really fits that. I think last year, obviously the way he came in, it was hard to like get him involved, but this year he's really he fits the the zones the zone running scheme type of offense that they want to run. He's that kind of scat back type of third down back like a poor man's Jarek McKinnon, uh, but he also has returnability. Uh, so it looks like they've been using him all over the place. Uh, he might even get to see see the field a little bit with Dalvin Cook, and then uh, he's playing. Uh, he's the punt and kick returner. It uh, looks like he's got that pretty much on lock right now too. Uh, so that's uh, that was kind of a surprising move for me. Because I know that they liked Mike Boone last year. They liked him so much that they kept him for uh, the entire season. 
him. They kept him and uh, Rock Thomas, who's now gone, but they kept five running backs last year just to make sure they got those guys. So uh, to see Amir Abdullah ahead of Mike Boone right now is kind of a, a surprising move. But, I mean, I'm fine with it. I think Amir Abdullah can be a good uh, third down back. And I know we've talked about this briefly before, but JR, can you remember like, what, what missed with Amir Abdullah? Because he seemed to be almost a perfect prospect coming out. What, uh, what didn't fire from him, in your opinion? Well, I think it was just finding a role. I think that was the biggest thing for him. And we, everybody knew he was a bit smaller, so he never was going to be able to be that bell cow type of back. Then he had the Liz Frank injury uh, during the earlier parts of his year, so he lost some of his explosiveness, especially in his lower extremities, which is where most of his explosiveness came from or what he hung his hat on. And then you couple that with the fumbling issues that he had in Detroit, which was a huge reason why they let him go. So just all those all those things have finally tallied up to get him to the point that he's at. And really the niche that he has to create for himself now is most likely on special teams. I think he's probably going to be the punt and the kick returner this year. So he has a chance to carve out a role there. And we know Dalvin Cook is a guy that he's very reluctant to ever play 16 games. He hasn't done it yet in his career. So you have Alexander Madison and he's the next guy off the bench. So he just has to stay ready. So Yinka, same question to you. What are your thoughts on uh, the Vikings first depth chart? And I guess, what does it mean to you? What are you looking at? Who's higher than you expected? Who's a little bit lower than expected? Yeah, I think I'm in the same camp as JR where, you know, I, I there aren't any surprises really on the depth chart. I'm actually more, I'm actually looking at the depth chart as, you know, very much that is where are the areas that we are strong on and where are the areas that we need to uh, maybe see if we can find some some guys who um, are going to get let go from other teams. Right now, I think the Vikings are are not as strong on the wide receiver or the linebacker depth, and it worries me a little bit because after Adam Thielen and uh, Stephon Diggs, I mean, you're going to have to rely on Laquan Treadwell. You're going to have to rely on uh, Mitchell and B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe and some of these other guys who aren't as proven. So it worries me when I saw the depth chart because – I think the areas that I would want us to be a little bit more solid on are some of the areas that the, we're the weakest on. You know, having a, a decent backup behind Kirk Cousins. I mean, as weird as that sounds, but, you know, Vikings have had to start a backup quarterback almost every other year for the last uh, 10 years, basically. So um, it, it, it's something that, again, I just looked at the depth chart as something that, you know, it's it's good that we have the starters that we have because I think we have a, a more than great starter at, at every position. But you know, as far as some of our depth, it, it was uh, not great. So I'm a little worried. All right, so I'm putting you down there because you this is the second time you've mentioned it now that you're worried about Sean Mannion, uh, Browning, and Sloter. So I'm putting you down as being a concern that that Sean Mannion was sitting in there at a at the QB two spot because uh yeah i mean that is a bit concerning it's a little concerning he's not very good at football i mean he's very good at football but like not very good at football when you're comparing him to other nfl players who are also very good at football all right uh we've already gone over that we've done that a couple times here so let's do the thing that everyone really has been talking about here and jr we're talking about teddy bridgewater so obviously we're going to talk to you about it first Vikings, Saints, Bridgewater Bowl 2019 in the preseason. When this first came up as a schedule, what were your thoughts on what this was going to be like? Um, how do you think it's going to be for the Vikings players hitting Teddy in this game in real live action? 
yeah, what are going to be your emotions watching this game with Teddy coming and uh and and getting out there and playing real meaningful football again? I think it's going to be a pretty good feeling for everybody involved. And yes, these guys are friends. Teddy spent four years here, I believe it was in Minnesota. So a lot of people are going to be excited to play against him. Everybody knows that he had a bright future uh, prior to, of course, the knee injury that happened with him. And, and I mean, all these guys are off the field. They're going to be friends, but on the field, they know that they're fighting for their livelihood. Some guys are going to be going against Teddy. Of course, we know some starters are, probably aren't going to play but when Teddy is still in there, because I think Teddy is going to get a significant amount of reps just because of the game speed that he hasn't seen uh, since since the, the catastrophic injury. So we'll see how long the starters do stay in there with him. Uh, but I'm excited to see him play. And I'm a fan of uh, and I'm always going to cheer for Teddy. I'll always be a fan of him. I was a huge fan of him uh, coming to the draft. And when he was here in Minnesota, things unfortunately didn't work out. But I hope he plays well. And of course, I hope the Vikings get the win. But I hope he plays well. It will be really nice to see him play well against his former team. And Saxy Prince, what about you, man? Teddy Bridgewater, Vikings heading down to New Orleans to play this game. What are you going to be looking for out of this game, and how do you think it's going to be watching Teddy out there playing again? You know, I um, I saw some clips about Teddy, you know, just doing some uh, moving in the pocket, you know, making some, you know, some pretty some tight window throws and whatnot. So I'm just really just looking forward to, like, at the end of the day, I know that a lot of the Vikings starters aren't going to play, so there's not much I'm looking forward to from their side I actually just want to watch Teddy play it's been been a number of years since we've actually been been able to see him perform um even if it's even if it's against you know you know backups in one of the cases I mean this would be his first real game in in, in some time and um yeah it'll just be good to see see how he does see how he does and um going against you know his former team and whatnot so um yeah It'll just be good to see how, how he performs. All right. So a couple things that came up when we were recording with the uh, the pocket protectors. So Eric and Nick pretty much laid the case out for the New Orleans Saints being one of the, if not the, possibly the most talented team in the NFC, maybe in the running for most talented overall roster in the entire NFL. JR, what are your thoughts on that? And when you look up and down the Saints roster, let's pretend this was the regular season. Uh, how would you see the Vikings matching up in this game based on uh, you know, the talent that the Vikings have and the talents the Saints have? Well, of course, just starting on the defense, I think you have to shadow Michael Thomas just because that's really what Mike Zimmer has done in the past with the Xavier Rhodes, just because you want to be able to eliminate that one guy just because that is their main option. That's exactly what their offense runs through. But the thing that the Saints put so much stress on is your linebackers with Alvin Kamara. And, of course, he's going to be the lead guy there. And now they have Latavius Murray, who is going to take over that Mark Ingram bruiser type of role. So this Sean Payton does such a great job of just extending your defense and making you making you really guard every blade of grass. So it's really tough to say to shut them down, per se, but you have to get in the face of their receivers and really try to slow them down. And this goes all the way back to what we talked about when we played them, I believe last year it was, where uh, just trying to force the interior of the pocket back into Drew Brees' lap. And that's really how you defeat him, just because he is a shorter type of quarterback. And he is really special at creating those throwing lanes, but he's more of a guy that you want to create interior pocket pressure as opposed to exterior pocket pressure, just because he's able to step up, he's able to climb. Uh, 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 able to climb up into the the eye of the storm, I like to call it. He's not scared to do that. But if you're able to create pressure where that eye of the storm is located and create chaos, 
during that as well. I think that that's really Drew Brees' deficiency for the most part. But on the offensive side of the ball um, with the Saints, I think the biggest thing that you have to do, you have to attack their secondary. And I know they have some good players back there. Marshawn Lattimore is a good player. Marcus Williams is a good player. But the one player that you have to attack is Eli Apple. So um, his biggest deficiency has really been down the field. That's really where he's really struggled as far as finding the ball in flight. So you have to be able to take some shots against him. So I would target Eli Apple. You're on the other side here. What's the thing that you're you're most worried about uh, from the Vikings in terms of you know the Saints coming at them? Like, what would be the matchup that the Saints would most be looking to exploit, uh, either on offense or defense, um, against the Vikings? Probably just attacking Trey Waynes. I think that's the biggest thing they would try to do, and then of course attacking the Vikings linebackers with Alvin Kamara, and that's something that. The Vikings have struggled with in the past. Alvin Kamara has really been able to have his way, not just as a rusher, but as a receiving threat. And putting him on like wheel routes and option routes out of the backfield, targeting Eric Kendricks, just because coverage is something that he has been inconsistent with during his career. And that's something that Sean Payton has circled really in his attack against the Vikings every time that they have played. So getting Alvin Kamara in space against the Vikings linebackers would be the biggest thing that I would target if I was the Saints coming into a game against the Vikings. Okay, so last question for you, JR. Thing that came up again on the analytics pod, the pocket protectors dropped this week on Tuesday, normally comes out on Mondays. Uh, Eric brought up some concerns about the, the defense potentially starting to regress, that key players are maybe a little older than we've come to realize. Uh, Xavier Rhodes didn't have a great uh, year last year, good year by cornerback standards, not so great year by his standards. Uh, do you have any issues, concerns, or thoughts about what we should expect from these players just based on what you observed uh, from them on film last year and, and just obviously your knowledge of football and, and kind of how players tend to bounce back as they get a little bit older? I think my biggest concern probably is Xavier Rhodes and Everson Griffin. Those two guys would probably be my biggest concern just because even though Xavier doesn't miss a lot of games, he always has knickknacks here and there after he does give up big gains. And even if he is struggling, he does tend to go down with a phantom type of injury. And then, of course, with Everson Griffin, we know with the situation last year and with him being a year older now, I believe he's 31 years old, he's going to be um, him being a step slower. And yes, Stephen Weatherly is still there, but he really hasn't garnered a significant amount of reps ever since. Uh, Everson Griffin did go down, so there is a little bit of worry there. Just how good he we how good he would be over a 16 game stretch, and I think Weatherly can do it, but he's not a proven commodity yet. And with Daniel Hunter garnering all of that attention, I just don't know how good Weatherly would be consistently in those one on one situations. So if Everson Griffin does regress and Xavier Rhodes does go down, I do have a lot a lot of concerns considering you know the Vikings cornerback group re- being really thin right now. All right. Well, that is it. That is all. So uh, it's always nice for me when the, uh, the the numbers and the film, they come together. Everyone is in agreement because we don't have to fight all the time. We should be working together with the film and the numbers to make the best decisions overall. But that's it. That's all. That's all I got. JR, before we get up out of here, because as I said at the beginning, you've been doing a lot of great stuff, putting on, uh, putting out a lot of great content. What is the thing, if there was just one piece that you put out here of late that people should be going to find, uh, what is it? What is the the thing that you're most proud of in this last week of uh, of content that you put out? 
So I've started a new column on the Draft Network called FCS Friday Spotlight, where I'm just giving spotlight to some 1AA and FCS guys that aren't really getting a lot of attention right now, but they definitely do deserve it. Last week, uh, I highlighted Jacob Nip, quarterback from Northern Colorado, who has an ama- amazing story. Uh, just to just to give a quick overview of it, uh, he's had shoulder surgery twice, and he's injured it three times, his non-throwing shoulder, his left shoulder. Uh, he currently has 13 screws in his left shoulder, but he's already been named as one of the top quarterbacks in the FCS that a lot of teams are really looking forward to. 6'5", 230 pounds. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing how he performs this year. So I'll keep an eye on him. It was really cool talking to him. Um, on Friday, I have a interview with North Carolina A&T receiver Elijah Bell. Uh, he's from West Virginia, and Randy Moss was one of his biggest inspirations. So I had a really good discussion with him, and I can't wait to tell his story. Awesome, man. Definitely looking forward to it. And uh, well, that is it. That is all, listeners. As always, thank you for uh, for riding with us here at Climbing the Pocket. Thanks for following us on the way over to Daily Norseman. It has been a fun ride. We're getting ramped up as the season goes with some more awesome shows, great interviews on deck. And uh, that's it. That's all. We will be talking to you guys soon. Have a good one. <laughs>